Hi, welcome to our webinar today. I'm Sarah of Spawn Wellness Mexi Caribe, and I am here with both Kezia of the UCI Division of Continuing Education, the Spawn Wellness Management Program, and Christoph Kilcher. And we're presenting a webinar on HR, human resources, and the new normal in Spawn Wellness industry. Thank you for joining, Kezia, Christoph. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Excellent. How are you? Happy Tuesday. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'm going to hand over to Kezia now to first speak about the UCI program. Sounds good. Christoph, can you please um, move to the next slide? Hi, everyone. Again, welcome to today's webinar, HR and the New Normal in Spine Wellness Industry. My name is Keisha, and I'm the program coordinator for the Spa and Wellness Management Program here at UCI Division of Continuing Education. And I will be talking um, briefly about the program requirements, the cost and schedule information, and then I will hand it over to our guest presenter, Christoph Hilscher. Um, next. Okay, so here's a brief overview of our Spa and Wellness Management Certificate Program. Our program provides a comprehensive training for individuals who are both new to the field or if you're already part of the Spa and Wellness industries as well. The program is developed and taught by industry experts, and the program will help you become proficient in all aspects of operations, and that includes marketing and branding, finance, human resources, and more. Our offerings are unique, and as because unlike general business administration or management program, our courses are specifically tailored to spa and wellness management. So as a student, you will acquire the knowledge and skills that are needed to manage day-to-day -day operations and positioning for future growth. Uh, next slide, please. Our program is designed for a number of audience. Um, as you can see on this slide, uh, it could be a spine wellness employees, spine wellness directors and owners. If you're an individual with years of more technical skills, such as a massage therapist or esthetician, this could be a good program for you as well because it will help you acquire the skills that's needed for more managerial roles. The program is also beneficial to those who are brand new to the industry. So if you're looking for a career change, this would be a good program for you. And a major benefit of the program is this is 100% online so that you'll be able to network and interact with individuals from all over the country and world who share a common passion for spa and wellness industry. Next slide, please. So the certificate program is composed of four required courses, as you can see here. The total is 12 units, and all of our courses have been approved by the Paul Mirage School of Business here at the University of California, Irvine. So to be eligible for the certificate, you must complete all four classes with the grade of C or better and complete declaration of candidacy and request for certificate form. There is a small candidacy fee, so I typically advise students to take a couple of classes in our program before they apply, just to make sure they want to complete the full certificate program. And then as I mentioned before, here are a list of our classes. We have Introduction to Spine Wellness Industry, Industry and Operations, Human Resource Management and Spine Wellness, Spine Wellness Financial Management, and Marketing and Branding for Spa and Wellness Businesses. Here you can see the unit value. Um, each course is three units and they run for 10 weeks online. Now, if you're brand new to the industry, you are a career changer, we recommend you start with the first one, just an introduction to spine wellness. 
And then since there are only four courses, you can earn your certificate in as little as six months. So that means you're taking two courses per quarter. So two courses in spring and then two courses in summer, then you'll be done with your certificate. When viewing the course schedule, you'll notice that not all classes are offered every single quarter. So you must plan accordingly. Next slide, please. Okay, so right now we are currently in the spring 2021 quarter. Um, here are the classes that we're offering right now. Human resource management, we just started yesterday. And fun fact, Christoph is the instructor for this course. So if anything caught your attention from this webinar today and you're really interested in learning more, there are there's some time for you to enroll in this class. Um, you can still enroll up to the rest of this week. And then the second course that we're offering is marketing and branding. And that also started yesterday. Same thing. You can still um, enroll in this class if you want to. Enrollment, uh, enrollment remains open for the rest of this week. Uh, next slide, please. I would also like to highlight that we are offering these two courses for the upcoming quarter in summer. So Introduction to Spa and Wellness, will, which starts on June 28th, and then Spa and Wellness Financial Management on June 28th. Now, for these two courses, registration is not open yet, but they will be open in about a couple weeks. They will open on April 22nd after 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So after... On April 22nd, after 2 p.m. Pacific Center time, you can go ahead and go online to our website and you'll see our courses will be available and you can click enroll and there you are. Go ahead uh, with the next slide, please. Also, we are offering a special offer, which is a 10% discount to any of the courses in the Spine Wellness Management Certificate Program. Now, this code is only available for spring and summer quarter. So, um if you are interested in enrolling in spring and summer, you can apply this discount code for your enrollment. And this offer expires June 28th. Uh, next slide, please. The, the cost of the program, okay, so the, each course costs $615. So you're looking at a total of $2,000 and $460 in course fees for four online classes. But you do not pay the entire total upfront. You pay for each course individually at a time of enrollment. And then there's also a $125 candidacy fee for the program. So in the end, you're looking at around $2585 for the entire certificate program, $2,585. Please know that amount does not include textbooks. So some of the courses may require textbooks, some don't. So you just have to pay attention in the course page because the textbook information is posted on the enrollment page. So you'll know if course materials are required before you enroll in the class. Uh, next slide. Okay, so this is a screenshot of our spa certificate um, class schedule when you go on our website. Um, when viewing this course schedule, as I mentioned before, you'll notice not all classes are offered every quarter. So right now we're in spring and we have two courses. And then in summer, these are the two courses that will be offered. So they go on rotation basis. So please plan accordingly so you can finish uh, in as little as six months. Okay, next slide. Now I'm going to hand it over to Christoph Hilscher um, as he will present uh, his presentation on this topic. Go ahead, Christoph. Awesome. Thank you, Keisha. Thank you much, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited um, being here and being able to do a little bit of a presentation in regards to HR and our UCI Division of Continuing Education program. So just a little bit highlight of um, who I am, why I'm talking to you. 
Um, I have a pretty good background in uh, hospitality and human resources. I'm currently working as a director of people at the Pendry Hotel San Diego, which is part of uh, Montage International. All in all, I've been working in the hospitality industry for 25 plus years out of those nearly 15 years with the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company in the United States and in Germany. And I also um, did a lot of um, rooms to operations and that's kind of like how I went into the spa industry because you're probably going to ask how is this HR guy related to the spa industry or one of the positions I held with the Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Niguel in Orange County, California was actually the fitness and massage center manager and that's how I found my love for the spa industry and was really totally enthralled and working even so I wasn't working very long in the spa industry as my HR boss did a great job selling me on HR. I really enjoyed it and I'm still in contact with a lot of those um, ladies and gentlemen I work with at the Ritz in Laguna. So that's how I got into spa. And then to give you an idea how I got into the spa program, 15 years ago when the spa program um, was started, the spa and wellness, there was the opportunity to do um, in-person classes. And I went to one of those um, meetings to come like get some information because I was interested in getting a certificate and while I was talking to the program director Angela um, she was like wait Christopher potentially you might actually be one person who could actually facilitate one of our HR courses because you have all the background in spa you have the background in leadership development and training so that's how I ended up um, becoming a presenter originally in person and then I started with the online training which online training by itself i think is fascinating i could not imagine a world without online training as you can see um, i got my bachelor degree in hr uh, from western governor university which is an online university and the same master of science in management leadership from western governors um, also online and last but not least um, i'm actually right in the beginning phase of um, working on my doctorate uh, doctorate in business administration also online. So I think I'm really a great example of how successful online learning can be from the perspective of being a student, but also then from the perspective of being an instructor. So I'm super excited about the opportunities online learning offers. Okay, so a little bit more about the new normal. So in your own words, how would you define the new normal? And you can either use the chat or if um, anybody who is um, uh, has audio capabilities, if you want to quickly just chime in and say, how would you describe new normal? What is it? Thanks, I would say that in terms of HR, it's going to be um, definitely testing of the personnel frequently. Um, mm -hmm. Consideration of distances in back of house areas, which can sometimes be a little crowded in, in resorts and hotels. Um, maybe adaptation of shifts and office space. And although it doesn't give a lot of uh, flexibility for working remotely when you're in resorts, uh, maybe office staff can sometimes work remotely. <laughs> Absolutely, no, you're uh, totally right on this, Sarah. Um, the new norm is really kind of like very broad defined. It has really to do with how are we going to organize um, our workflow in the future. But what I did also, I kind of like went to Urban Dictionary and the Urban Dictionary says, the current state of being after some dramatic change has transpired. So all of you have seen the dramatic change. The pandemic has started basically over a year ago. And I was um, one of those people, I started my new job here at the Pendry San Diego 
on March the 2nd. And then unfortunately, two weeks later, we had to close down the hotel. So my whole career with Pendry has been involved in shutting down the hotel, including spa, and then um, reopening it partially, partly reopening the spa with outdoor treatments, um, reopening the spa, including indoor treatments, then having to stop the whole thing and then kind of like going back and forth. So there has been a lot of dramatic change. And then the next part of that um, synonym is what replaces the expected, usual, typical state after an event occurs. The new normal encourages one to deal with current situation rather than lamenting what could have been. So it's really um, replacing the things we did in the past. Everything is different. So whatever we did a year ago is most probably not going to be working um, nowadays. So really trying to be open and not come like contemplating um, how good it was a year ago and what we were able to do, just dealing with the fact, okay, those are the things you need to deal with. So the things to consider from an HR perspective, really, in regards to the new normal, you need to mention, uh, need to look at the health and safety guidelines that have changed in the workplace. And Sarah, you mentioned it, there's quite some changes. Um, the industry is impacted the most. What is the impact on current employees? What is the impact on talent acquisition and um, really finding new associates or employees? What's the impact on the physical work location of employees? And Sarah mentioned it, um, SPA is a environment where you can't really do a lot of remote stuff. You can take remote um, reservations, but that's about it. Everything else is in person. How is the impact on employee engagement? Are your associates as happy, your employees as happy as before? Um, what's the impact on corporate social responsibility? And if you're not familiar with the term CSR, it is basically volunteering activities. And then last but not least, what's the impact on the person in human resources? If you are part of a um, hotel and you have a spy there, you for sure have a human resources department. What's the impact on this person? And basically, what's the impact on me? What impact did I have over the last year in regards to my profession in human resources? So let's start a little bit with the health and safety guidelines. Um, you had mentioned it, Sarah, temperature checks. Um, as an example, associates who are working for us when they come in the morning or in the afternoon to work, they have to go through security. And then there will be a temperature check done, which is automatically done. And if they have a temperature over 100 degrees, they will need to um, reach out to our medical provider and kind of like talk through the um, situations they have. In the same way, they're also using a health questionnaire we are partnering with a company called One Medical, and they put the health questionnaire together. And it's basically asking the associate on a day-to-day -day basis before they come to work, um, do you have any symptoms which might be related to um, COVID? Um, that could be like, as I mentioned, fever, or that could be um, coughing, that could be muscle ache, and then, and, and if they answer the question, um, which yes, I do, that would kind of create a so-called red badge. And that means the associate needs to call that service provider. And then they're going to be discussing what um, the reasons are why they're not feeling well, and if it potentially might be related to COVID. If that's the case, then the associates needs to stay home, needs to go for a COVID test, and then needs to provide a return to work doctor's notification that they're clear to um, return to work after seven to ten seven to ten days quarantine. So we're really making sure that whoever works at our property um, has a quote unquote clean health, a clean bill of health. Um, PPE, personal protection equipment. Um, who would have thought in the past that nowadays we would be wearing all gloves, that we would be wearing all masks? I know in the spa you wear mask, either double mask or you also wear the um, face shield. 
um, depending on the type of treatment, there might be some other things. So we have um, hand sanitizers all over. So really being aware that that's the standard now, the personal protection equipment for the employees. But the same, the PPE is also for the guests, requiring the guests, depending what state or what country you're in, that they are wearing masks, that they are using hand sanitizers, that um, they're keeping the social distance of um, six feet. Those are really things you need to keep in mind from the health and safety guidelines. And Sarah had mentioned it, um, the back of the house, especially in the spa, is most likely not the biggest one. It's tight quarters at the reception desk. How can you kind of like try to keep the six feet distance? So you really have to try and be creative and think what do you need to be different to make sure that you keep health and safety guidelines. And last but not cleaning, uh, last but not last, last but least, cleaning certifications. And thus your spa um, participate in any type of um, cleaning certifications. And I gave a couple of examples. There's an Ecolab science certification. Um, montage, we have the peace of mind commitment, merit commitment to clean and Hilton clean stays. So the big o operations do have some certain cleaning commitments. What are the cleaning commitments smaller spas might have? Are you partnering with your providers um, of um, cleaning solutions that you might get a certification? I can tell you, um, we have a lot of groups um, asking um, ask now what type of certification do you have in regards to cleanliness? And that's something you might keep in mind too for um, your spa. The industries which are impacted the most, and I don't really have to highlight that, is um, the spa and wellness industry, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, and the fitness industry. Those industries are really the ones who basically had to close down completely, pending again um, where you are in what state or what country. But all over, I have been impacted the hardest, as I had mentioned here in California and San Diego. We had to close down the whole hotel for a couple of months, and then we're able to kind of like open up partially, and then we had to close again a little bit. Some of the restaurants had to close, but now we are um, looking. Um, it looks very positive that we can open up more and more. Um, we are allowed now here in San Diego to operate our spa fully indoors and outdoors. And the one thing we really have learned is that. You can really be creative and um, offer services in a way that you might have not done in the past. And for us, it was we did never offer outdoor services, but now we found ways to um, do that. And I know um, a lot of you probably already have that in place. Um, for some operations, they didn't, and now they're doing it as a standard. So that's really um, exciting to have. Okay, what's the impact on um, current employees? So let me ask you, what do you think? Uh, without looking really on the answers here, what impact have you seen on your own current employees or what impact have you seen on yourself? Anybody share to care, care to share? Okay, well, um, health and safety, impact on the current employees. My own health and safety, I need to work for an employer who takes health and safety very um, serious. And so I need to make sure that I'm healthy and safe. And so that's one of the biggest things where associates are really wanting to make sure that um, everything is working the way it's um, supposed to, that you're um, following the cleaning guidelines, that you're following um, PPE. There's unfortunately also an increased um, stress and emotional impact of um, employees. And that might be work-related, that might be family-related, because keep in mind, associates employees who are working, they're much more exposed to um, potential um, harm through COVID. But there also might be an impact from the family life that um, employees have family members who are impacted through COVID, who either had COVID or um, 
who unfortunately passed away from COVID. So you really need to keep these things in mind about uh, emotional impact too. Childcare, okay, we need to understand that it's much more difficult now to arrange childcare. Um, in the past, the last year or so, there was no child, basically no childcare available because the childcare places were closed. But now um, they're starting to reopen again and associates are going back to work. So what happens if I need to go to back, back to work, but I can't find any childcare? So how can I balance that? Financial impacts, a lot of the associates, the employees had no income over the last 12 months through their regular channels. Hopefully um, they had um, support through either the government, through um, unemployment, or had enough financial means to get them through, or were able um, to find other jobs out of uh, outside the spa industry. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that too. And then last but not least, relocation. Um, we have seen a lot of um, associates, employees, moving locations because they were not able to work in a certain place and then suddenly um, they had the opportunity to work in a different job and now they decided to uh, move so relocation is also a big part any other um, ideas or impacts um, you might see now that you've kind of like heard that i um, have a couple of um, impacts on current employees you want to share I feel like that covered everything, Christoph. <laughs> okay, cool. Perfect. Uh, impact on talent acquisition. So talent acquisition, if you're not um, familiar with the term itself, that's basically recruiting. So here are a couple of ideas and most probably that covers a lot what you've seen, but that's from my exp uh, experience, um, how to um, really impact uh, talent acquisition and what we need to do in regards to um, finding associates. And there will be an interesting point I'm going to make in a second. Well, actually, right now, it said from move from employer market to employer market. So what does it mean? So uh, a year ago, um, it was an employer market, meaning there was, um, for example, in um, some of the states in the U.S. or in general, around three and a half to four percent unemployment, meaning um, finding a new associate and employer was really difficult because the unemployment was very low. So not a lot of people were looking for a new job. So that's what's considered an employee market. Then it moved to an employer market, meaning there were many more employees out there looking for a job because a lot of businesses closed and they didn't have any um, opportunities. So the few industries or the industries which were not impacted, they were now in the employer market. They could choose from a lot of people who were looking um, for jobs. Interestingly enough, now that businesses are reopening, we are experiencing a complete shift again from the employer market to the employee market. We can seriously say we are scrambling to find employees. Out of my own experience here at the spa in um, San Diego at the Pandry, we are looking for a lead massage therapist and a massage therapist and front desk agents. And we have honestly a hard time finding um, people who would like to um, work in those positions. So plug for the Pandry San Diego. If you know anybody in your area who is interested in moving to San Diego, um, please make sure to reach, have them get my information, reach out to me because I um, would be happy um, to talk about opportunities. What else? Health and safety considerations. Is vaccination required? Interesting point from the HR perspective. Can you require for somebody to be vaccinated in order to um, work for your company? Depending on the local regulations, the state regulations or the federal regulations, um, there's a, it's a little bit of a gray zone. Um, some businesses are most probably able to do so. 
especially if you think um, about um, the retirement homes where the population is much more prone to um, COVID, they most probably are able to um, require vaccination, but other businesses uh, might not be. So what we did here at Pendry and other companies are doing it too in hospitality and spa industry, they strongly encourage associates, employees to get vaccinated and might give them either, for example, four additional hours um, paid work time to get vaccinated, or in our case, we are paying a, st a stipend of $50 for associates who can show that they have been vaccinated. So interesting point of view, um, different sides of the point of view, um, something you need to consider. Then also increased stress and emotional impact in the regards to talent acquisition. Some people might not be ready to um, go and um, find a new job because they have so much going on. But we also need to understand that if you find the new associates, and I just experienced it at the Pandery West Hollywood, which we just opened um, a couple of days ago. I was two weeks there on task force to help them uh, with onboarding associates. A lot of those employees have not worked for a year um, and have no experience in working in an environment which is totally um, focused on health and safety and PPE. And it's interesting to see how these associates deal with this um, increased um, awareness. And then last but not least, local recall and retention ordinances and relocation again. What does it mean with local recall and retention ordinance? Um, here in the US, we have a couple of um, cities or counties where you have a recall and retention ordinance, meaning um, whoever you had to uh, lay off in the past um, has the first dip, I would call it. You need to recall those associates, make sure that they get a job. So those are the things um, impacting um, talent acquisition. Any um, other ideas or anything you might have seen in regards to specifically finding associates, I assume in your areas of expertise in your locations, you also have trouble finding employees? Christoph, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned the employee market and the employer market. I wonder if you have any insight into whether you think that hotels and resorts are being more cautious with their spending in terms of not offering longer contracts, being more careful about the salaries they offer to kind of because they've been through a period of such hardship. Is that affecting salaries and job offers? Um, I would think so. So, uh, for example, keep in mind, depending on what type of um, annual increases or pay reviews you wear, we basically lost at least one or potentially two um, pay increase cycles. And depending, um, it's depending on the location, how you do it. But in our case, for example, we lost two cycles. So our um, pay is basically the same like it was um, two years ago. And that's totally understandable from the uh, business side because we didn't really have much um, business coming in. So um, businesses were not in the, uh, in the option to increase pay. In regards to the uh, contracts, um, depending um, how your setup is, like here in, um, in the US, we never have really, unless it's like a contract relationship where it starts at a certain time or ends at a certain time, it's an open contract. Uh, meaning there is no end time. Um, but we have, for example, um, seasonal um, associates who are also working where we are um, cautious in regards to how we um, hire them. In our case specifically, we are very cautious that we are not hiring as many full-time employees as we did in the uh, past. We're looking at um, more part-time and on-call because 
the business is still not very predictable. Unless you are in a resort location, which most of your spas are, um, it looks like our montage resort locations have a huge uptick in business, which by itself, again, is also obviously very positive that you have so much demand, but now you're scrambling having um, enough employees. So it's kind of two-edged sword, um, trying to find a nice middle way, middle ground to satisfy the needs of the associates, the people who are looking for jobs, and then also satisfy, satisfy the needs of um, the business. So um, we'll see how what the uh, future will bring. That makes sense. Thanks, Christoph. You're welcome, Sarah. Impact on physical work location, and Sarah had mentioned it. Um, so how, and picture yourself right now, picture your spa, picture your spa um, front office, picture the massage room, picture um, the back of the house, if you have the luxury of doing so, picture your small, tiny spa director office, if you have one, um, how are you going to social distance? The golden rule is six feet. How are you going to be able to do that? That's going to be um, a huge challenge. So instead of having three or four spa agents um, at the front desk, maybe you're just having one or two, or you uh, have the option to um, do satellite check-in. So not everybody is um, coming to the front desk. Maybe you do the check-in um, right at the locker room. So there are different ways how you can make sure that you keep um, social distancing. Employee, employee dining room considerations. Um, if you have employee dining rooms, yay for you. Some of you don't have them, so you don't have to worry about it. You probably will use a corner of your spa um, to have lunches. But if you have an employee dining room, okay, um, you can't pack them full anymore. You need to make sure that you have space. Um, we went to the point that we actually put up um, plastic barriers um, on the tables to give some type of security. So we still have the availability to have a certain amount of people sitting next to each other but at least there's a plastic barrier in between too. Um, food offerings. Um, in the past, when you worked in the hotel, um, the employee dining room had hopefully elaborate um, buffet style um, food so everybody could um, take as much as they wanted and um, at any time. Nowadays, that's not the case anymore, most likely. Most likely it's more prepacked or you have an attendant who is actually serving and you don't access the food anymore. That's something to look at. The PPE requirements. Um, okay, so what PPA do I really need and how expensive is it? It is a huge impact on spa operation having to provide that to your associates. And yes, you should be the one who is providing it. Um, PPE needs to be a standard. You cannot leave it up to the associates to bring their own PPA, PPE. But yeah, keep in mind when you do your budgets, how much money um, do you spend really on that? And then last but not least, setup of temperature screening locations. As I had mentioned, we um, have the opportunity here at the Pendry San Diego when associates come through the employee entrance, they're being screened automatically. And should they be above 100 degrees, a small alarm goes on and then the associate will be pulled into a separate room and then we would do the um, health check. Um, but it doesn't have to be so sophisticated. It might be just enough if you have one of those temperature guns. So an associate comes in, you um, check the temperature. And that was one thing we really had to install in our um, associates that the associate entrance is the only entrance they are allowed to come in. There are no other entrances um, employees can use. And in the, uh, in the past, it was a little bit different, but now because we have those requirements that every associate needs to be temperature checked, uh, we really make sure that everybody um, goes through. 
Okay, impact on um, employee engagement. So let me ask you before I pull up that slide, um, what is the impact on employee engagement, if at all? What do you think? So employees interacting with each other? Yeah, for example, yeah. I mean, definitely in the back of house areas, that's going to have a huge impact on the number of people you can have in staff rooms. You can, it's going to limit any training capacity, potentially, because training rooms mm -hmm. typically are um, busy where you've got everyone watching what's going on in order to learn. Mm -hmm. But what is also the fear um, and emotional stress of people not wanting to get too close to other people? <laughs> yeah, and that's very um, unusual for um, spa spa associates because um, I know from my own experience, spa associates are very touchy and feely, and while that's the job, they touch other people, and so um, it's nothing uncommon that they give you a shoulder rub or something, which by itself, from the HR perspective, is something um, to look at, but. HR, uh, spa associates are more touchy and feely and then suddenly not being able to give a hug to somebody or um, those are things which really kind of like have an impact on the employee engagement. And the points I brought up here on the slide is loyalty. Um, in the past, associates were probably hopefully very loyal to the company, but now having seen what happened over the last year, were you able to keep that loyalty? Are there still going to be loyal even so they were not able to work for six plus months for the company or are they looking at some other job or maybe they're not loyal to the industry at all anymore we have seen a lot of people leaving the spy industry the hotel industry because they were so disillusioned of the industry that they said you know what i don't know if that happens again if there will be another covid 19 maybe there's a covid 20 or covid 21 um, what happens to me? I can't stay in the industry anymore. I need to leave. So that's something to consider. Job security kind of like goes in regards to a loyalty. A lot of our associate employees are depending on the income um, they make. But if you don't have job security, maybe you have to look um, outside. But what we also experienced and um, that for the spa employees, it is a little bit difficult to look outside the industry because spa employees are very specific, especially if you're talking about massage therapists or nail techs, estheticians. They are doing it because they have a passion for that industry. And if they suddenly come into a different industry, they might not um, as be as successful or as happy or passionate about it. And they're most probably also not making as much money because in general, um, a, a massage therapist or massage therapists are very well paid, um, especially considering that they might get commission or tips and other jobs just don't have that. Health and safety concerns. Am I going to be um, safe at, at the work? Um, am I going to keep my health? Um, am I going to contract COVID? That's something which also has an impact on the employee engagement. And then last but not least, all that will accumulate, accumulate in stress. Um, what implications does it have? How can I deal with the worry of potentially getting sick at work? Um, but also having the worry that I maybe get home and get sick or I get sick at work and bring that home. That was one of the things um, I was a little bit concerned about. And we have very good PPE requirement, but I knew that if I I was the one who was exposed the most um, from um, my family and I would be potentially the one who would be bringing COVID home if I was not um secure and healthy enough. So that was something I really had to um, look to. 
Okay, um, next one, the impact on corporate social responsibility. So impact on volunteering. Well, we have um, seen um, less in-person volunteer opportunities because of social distance, because people do not want to congregate. Um, even so, if there are outdoor opportunities, people are really much more fearful. Um, that means, for example, a very popular um, food packing um, activities or beach cleaning activities, they really um, kind of like took a backstage and we were not able to get people anymore um, participating, nor did I from the HR perspective necessarily would have wanted an event like this because I would not be one who organized an in-person volunteer event and then um, there would be suddenly a spread of um, COVID based on that event. So we really stayed away from that one, but hopefully in the future we can do um, more. More focus on own um, on own well-being um, instead of looking so much at the uh, others okay i need to look first at myself and um, what do i need to do um, to feel better or be supported um, that is something also to look at and then last but not least less the willingness to participate in food toy and other drives and i don't know if you have expect uh, experienced that too um, in your environments but um, we had a um, food drive around christmas and i was Come like a little bit disappointed to see that we did not have much participation, and I can totally see it. There are a lot of associates again who had, were financially impacted and just didn't have the financial means to um, participate in food drives. So those are the things you need to keep in mind. That because there was a huge financial impact on a lot of our employees, that they are just not able to participate in those um, food and toy drives and other um, activities. So those are, from my perspective, really things you need to look in regards to volunteering and corporate um, social responsibility. And then um, last but not least, um, okay, what's the impact on your um, strategic um, HR partners? So the people who support you on a day-to-day -day basis in the people department or HR department, what has the impact been on them or on me? So we do definitely more with less. Um, to give an example, when I started, I had um, five associates here working in the office. Um, now it's myself and my assistant. We don't have um, any other employees working for us currently, which is based, we have reduced um, our staffing by 50% compared to last year. So we don't need as many, but um, we also have to do much more with less because we don't have the um, resources. So there is an impact on some of the things we do. For example, um, not arranging so many volunteering events or arranging any employee events helps us in the way that um, we kind of like have a little bit more time on other things than what we normally would spend on that. Um, concern for own health and safety. Keep in mind some um, of your HR partners, they are exposed to a lot of um, associates throughout the day. And the more they are exposed, the more... Um, or the higher the risk is for those um, associates. And so going to work every day, which is a privilege, I know, and I'm very happy that I was able to do that, but there was always in my back mind a certain concern for my own health and safety, as I mentioned before. Impact on emotional well-being on HR staff, well, what does that mean? Um, think about the HR associates who had to deal with a lot of um, furloughs, layoffs, um, they had to facilitate um, all those conversations. They had to facilitate the process. 
and um, having to go through the magnitude of it, that also has definitely the impact on the emotional well-being of um, your human resources partners. I can really tell you it is not easy um, listening to the um, associates and the impact it has and then hearing it um, multiple times a day and knowing how many people have been impacted and um, what the impact is on of them losing their job. And again, it's not by their own fault. It's not by the fault of the company. But at the same time, there's really not much you unfortunately can do as an HR partner that really um, has an emotional impact. Less career opportunities, um, because um, companies have downsized. Um, there are not as many positions available. As I mentioned, we went from five to um, too. So there are less career opportunities right now in human resources, which will change in the future again, I'm sure. But currently, um, it's not that easy. And then last but not least, opportunity to grow is also not there, really, because we don't have that many career opportunities available. So you're kind of like more stuck on the things you do. And that was probably one of the reasons, um, as I told myself, um, why not using this time um, to do, for example, more online education great way to do a certificate program or work on that bachelor, work on the master or whatever you want to do. If you have the cap capability to do so, um, now is probably a good time. And talking about time, that basically wraps up the presentation I had. Um, there is a couple of minutes time if anybody has any question, as mentioned from Keisha before, I just started the course um, facilitation yesterday for um, human resources. So if there's anybody who is interested in joining the course, please make sure to um, reach out to um, Keisha. She will be able to assist you. But are there any other um, questions you might have right now in regards to the topics I presented? Thank you, Christoph. That was really, really interesting. Um, not so much a question, but just uh point of interest is that I think that for our industry, it really is going to be one of the most difficult things is keeping physical distance because we're such a <laughs> loving, touchy-feely industry. And even when we go to industry events, the first thing we want to do is hug all our industry friends that we haven't seen for a while. So in terms of an HR perspective, it must be really challenging managing large teams where you have these personalities who are so warm and loving and tactile and ensuring that everyone adheres to the rules and <laughs> the new normal that we all have to adjust to. So really, really interesting to uh, to hear all of your thoughts on that. Um, but definitely it's uh, we're going into a new era and... Uh, yeah whatever we can do to ensure the success of our industry is for the greater good. <laughs> Absolutely. And totally hear you because um, HR is also on one side, we're not supposed to be touchy, warm and feely, um, but I'm also normally somebody if I have friends or I go to a conference, um, I normally greet people with a hug. That's the thing I normally do. Um, now I'm totally staying away from it. We don't even shake hands. We give the elbow bump. Um, and that is, and that, that is it. And that's so weird. And, and sometimes it's awkward situations where you come like on the way to at least want to shake hands. And then you're like, ah, no, because you don't want to put people in an awkward situation, especially the ones who totally want to stay away from any physical contact. So finding the fine line is super, super difficult. And yes, it is an HR challenge. And it starts, unfortunately, with myself too. <laughs> yes. 
Thank you so much for all of your insight and information. And thank you, Kezia, also. Thanks, everyone, for listening and joining in. We're going to sign off now, but we're going to put the information to contact UCI, Division of Continuing Education, should anyone need any more additional information. Thank you, everyone. Have a great Tuesday. Thank you.